think everybody's looking forward to an off day. I don't think that changes no matter what most times of the year, but um, we're getting healthier. Just a day for everybody to, to kind of get away from it, frankly, is, is good. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we get started tonight, I just, I want to take credit for something. I want to tell you something that I did this weekend that I, I want credit for. Okay. I know a couple callers in particular, you know who I'm talking about, like to call in, you know, they like to cast aspersions on my generation, how we're soft, how we dress, what we do. I'm not a manly man, you know, that has occasionally been levied against me on this show. You know, from who, and if these callers are listening, you know, I'm talking to you. Okay. I want credit because this morning. I went to the dump, lived in La Crosse for four years, never been to the dump before, but I'm thinking I might make a habit of it. Uh, I I took a a, a truck, not my truck, I borrowed a truck, and I I took a bunch of scrap wood there uh, because I just moved out of my house, and I'm not saying we tried to pull a fast one on the landlord, that's not it. Mostly we just forgot that there was some firewood in the garage, big pallets, and she texted me over the weekend. She's like, hey, the house looks great, but you guys left a lot of wood if you can come pick that up, sure. So I borrowed a truck and I loaded it with my bare hands and I threw it in the back of the truck and I slammed the tailgate and I drove it to the dump and I talked to the lady in the booth and I said, yep, bin number seven, I'll go right over there. And I backed up and amidst all of the loose nails and sharp, broken scrap wood, I I heaved those pallets onto the pile. Me, myself, with no help. And of course, I posted a Twitter video at Wisco Grant because there's no way I was only going to take credit for this once. I was blasting this. I was sharing this everywhere. So if you want more details... Uh, you can find the video on my Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Now, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about sports. I just, from the jump, I just wanted credit for that. Because I take enough crap on the show for my generation being soft. You know, men these days, kids these days. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I just wanted credit for that. Thank you. Now we can move on. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an awesome weekend. Uh, and if you didn't have a good weekend, may I recommend a trip to the dump starting as soon as next weekend? It was very satisfying. You know, the garbage man can come pick up the garbage, but, you know, taking care of it myself, that's a, that was a very rewarding feeling. So if your weekend left a little to be desired, uh, maybe go to the dump next weekend. Try something new. The state track meet was also in lacrosse this weekend. Love the state track meet. A national record set by a runner from Stevens Point. She beat it by over two seconds in the 800. She ran a 201. Oh, it's bananas. She's going to Stanford. So that was really cool. I didn't get up to the track meet. Maybe some of you were in town for state track. It's one of the coolest events of the year. UWL, you got the bluffs in the background. So naturally, I was tweeting about that, which I know you guys hate when I bring up track and cross country, but I feel like I made up for it today by also sharing that I I took some scrap wood to the dump. If you want to join the show at any point tonight, you can. Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. As I said, I am on Twitter as well. If Twitter's your thing and you want to connect you want to tweet during the show or just tell me that you disagree that's fine that's what twitter's for you can find me at wisco grant brewers didn't give us much this weekend we'll get to them in a few minutes one player in particular that i want to talk about that's coming up good sports day yesterday finals game two and sunday night baseball which i am i'm 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 slowly exiting into that lane as basketball phases out I'm phasing in Sunday night baseball. Good NL Central matchup last night that went to extras. I don't want to talk about that game, but I do want to talk about the Cubs and the Cardinals here in a little bit because I don't I don't know how the Brewers are going to play in this division. 
the Brewers have lost a bunch of games. They're really injured, and we have all these things that we could complain about if we want. But in the end, I don't know if it's going to matter. So we're not going to talk about Sunday night baseball, last night's game that went to extras. We're not going to talk about that explicitly. Um, but I do want to talk about the two teams that were involved as they relate to our team, the Brewers. So that's coming up. I want to start with Celtics Warriors for a few minutes. Last night was a treat. Oh, it was a joy. And we waited a couple of days for it, and it was worth the wait. I know it was a blowout at the end, but the third quarter alone, oh, the third quarter had me feeling some kind of way. It had me feeling nostalgic, actually. That's how the Warriors made me feel in that third quarter. Nostalgic is a really powerful thing. As I was getting ready for today's show, I was reminded of a Mad Men episode. I'm watching Mad Men right now. Um, and there's this line by Don Draper. He's trying to sell, a, I think it's a projector like a little circular picture projector. And he said this about nostalgia. I went and saved the clip. This is it. Teddy told me that in Greek, nostalgia literally means the pain from an old wound. It's a twinge in your heart, far more powerful than memory alone. It's very dramatic, right? Third quarter last night had me feeling nostalgic. When the Warriors do that... And they get hot like that. And they hit shots like that. And they do things that really only the Warriors do. There's lots of good teams in the NBA right now. Lots of awesome stars. But really only the Warriors can do what the Warriors do. And when they do that, I feel like a little kid again. There's some magic. It's tangible in the way that I feel and the way that I smile and the way that I go on Twitter to read tweets and rewatch videos and clips and highlights from the game. There's You can hear I'm smiling. It makes me feel a certain kind of way. Remember how you used to feel on Christmas Eve when you were really young? You could barely go to bed and you woke up. You almost had a smile on your face even before you were awake. And there was just this tangible magic that you can't really describe. And then I think it goes away. And then I think that magic comes back when you have kids because then you can experience Christmas through their perspective too. So I think nostalgia and and just that magical feeling, I think it, it comes and goes in lots of different ways. I sometimes experience it through sports. And I experienced it yesterday through the Warriors. I felt that magic when I watched Jordan Poole's buzzer beater to close the third quarter. Golden State has a lot of time. Poole with the ball. Launches. Oh! Money! The Warriors end up winning 107-88. The fourth quarter was basically a wash, but the third quarter, that was it. That was worth eight quarters combined. I was watching at my buddy's house last night with a few friends, and he just moved. So he doesn't have any furniture yet. So he he ordered a sectional a couple months ago. You know, it's still not there because, you know, Biden, America these days. So I'm, I'm laying on the floor watching, and I tell you this to make a point. I'm laying on the floor watching. Jordan Poole hits about 29, 30-footer with 30 seconds left in the quarter. And now I have gone from laying on the carpet to up on my knees because I'm engaged like a little kid around the Christmas tree. I'm, I'm perked up. I'm locked in. And then Poole, that, that play you just heard, Beats the buzzer from 40 feet away. And now my head is in my hands and I collapse back down to the floor. I'm like, oh my God, take me on a trip. I had a physical response to those moments that we watched last night. And it reminded me of when I got first really into the NBA. I remember I, I think it was in seventh grade. And I wish I could go back and know for sure what game it was. I don't remember. All I remember is that Kevin Durant went for 50. I don't know if it was 51 or 54. There's a couple of games I've gone back and looked and I, I'm not 100% sure which one it was. But I remember the first season I started watching the NBA, watching Kevin Durant go for 50. And I was laying on my basement floor with the fireplace on. It was probably January, February. And I couldn't believe what I was watching. Just the the shot making and 
the inevitability of what Kevin Durant was doing. There was this certain awe that I felt watching that. And last night watching the Warriors in the third quarter, I felt that all over again. It was so cool. It was great. This 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 play made me go from my knees to straight on my back. Oh. Golden State has a lot of time. Pool with the ball. Launches. The nostalgia that I'm feeling, I don't think it's just personal to me. I think, especially last night's game, it felt like a playoff game from 10 years ago. Because when I remember I first got into basketball, the third quarter always decided playoff games. I remember watching Heat Thunder, which would have been 2011, 2012. I remember watching Heat Spurs the next couple of years. And all I heard from the announcers and from Van Gundy and Jackson and Breen and whoever was on the studio show at the time. The third quarter is everything. You look at the third quarter, the winner of the third quarter will often tell you the winner of the game. And I don't know, I never checked it. They could have been talking out their butts as sometimes announcers do. But I remember that being such a big talking point from the, the first literal couple of months that I started watching basketball. And then the Golden State Warriors first arrived on the scene in 13-14 and then the Kevin Durant variable, or variant of the Warriors. Maybe I shouldn't say variant these days. It's probably not. The version, the Kevin Durant iteration of the Warriors, right? Their third quarters were unlike anything we've ever seen. That team would come out of halftime and just unload on the opposition, right? The third quarter was always the ticket. And during Buck Celtics, it felt like the third quarter was a kiss of death. You go back to game three. Bucks won the third quarter 34-17. They led 80-67 going into the fourth quarter. And they barely hung on to win by two points. Game four... Bucks won the third quarter again, 32-26, led 80-73 to going into the fourth, and they lost by eight at home. Game five, Celtics won the third quarter, 32-30, led 86-77 going into the fourth, and blew it, lost by three. So the third quarter wasn't a great indicator in the Bucks celtics series. Heck, even in game one of the finals, the Warriors won 38-24. They won the third quarter by 14 points, and they lost the game by 16 or 14, or 12. Oh my God, I can't do math. They lost 120-108. (laughs) That took me three tries. My point, for the last couple of weeks, the third quarter hasn't been an indicator like it had been years ago and has been for a long time. Right, last night, the third quarter, return to normalcy. Golden State won the third quarter 35-14 and won the game. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how our Lord intended for the game to work. The third quarter has always meant something. It's been a little wacky for the last couple weeks. And last night, it it meant something. And that made me smile because that made me think of when I first got into basketball and listening to Van Gundy probably saying, you know, a lot of people think the fourth quarter is where the game is won and lost. But to me, it's all about the third. And Mark Jackson would say, absolutely. You know, Breen would then go on. That's what I remember. And it's cool to actually watch that play out last night because for the last couple weeks, it hadn't been that way. One thing to watch, and we'll talk about this later on in the show after we do some Packers and Brewers stuff. What Jason Tatum is going to do when his shot isn't falling, right? He finished 8 of 19, 6 of 9 from 3, and it was mostly due to a hot start. He's 5 of 7 from 3 in the first half, and then 1 of 3 in the second. He's got to be more than a microwave guy for the Celtics. He can't just be a guy who gets on a little 3 or 4-minute hot stretch, hits some threes, and that's it. They need more from him. That's Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown is supposed to be the guy who can get hot for a quarter, give you 15 in the third, and help power you a win. Jason Tatum, start to finish, has got to be a little bit more complete. So that's one thing that jumped out to me last night. And I said, we'll talk about that more later on in the show. I want to talk about the Brewers, too, before our first break. Not the best. Thursday night's game was a joy. And I think we all enjoyed and loved Thursday night's game. I watched at a bar with some friends. It was great. It was electric. We were all tweeting about it. We talked about it on Friday. It was a blast, right? 
And then they lost seven to nothing, and then four to nothing, and then yesterday they lost six to four in extras. Right? Yesterday was a bummer. Colton Wong gave us what I'm trying to coin as a Ricky Weeks, aka a leadoff home run, right in the first inning. Padres traded for him as Wong. On the second pitch, he sees goes deep again. Colton Wong, another leadoff homer for him. I was going to say, did I not not trim the end of that highlight? This is Ricky Weeks, leadoff home run. And is it bad that a leadoff home run kind of feels like a kiss of death? Don't tell me that you were watching yesterday's game and you watched that home run. Don't tell me that you didn't say, well, that's all the offense we're getting today. (laughs) Because that's what I thought. When the Brewers score in the first inning, my my brain immediately goes, well, they better win one to nothing, two to nothing, because God knows they're not scoring again which, for what it's worth, would have been the case if Colton Wong hadn't hit another home run in the eighth inning. That would have been all the offense they had. That would have been the kiss of death. I get that the Brewers are injured and missing a ton of pop in their batting order. Their star shortstop is hurt. Their young ascending third baseman is hurt. Their power-hitting right fielder is hurt, who was playing so well before he got hurt. They're missing two starting pitchers, right? I mean... Adamas and Urias alone, if they were just missing those two, that's half of their infield. That's a big portion of the top of their batting order. That's a lot of moxie. I've said Adamas, whether he's playing well or not, in or out of the lineup makes a huge difference because there's just some energy that he brings along with him. And we saw that when he was traded for last year. Instantly a different team when he got here. So even if he's not raking, the Brewers need him out there. They need Urias' power. They need Hunter Renfro's production because no one in the outfield can produce other than Tyrone Taylor. And Tyrone Taylor might be cooling off. Who knows? He had a really good week, a really hot week last week, and that was a blast. Well, some of these guys, you just can't assume that that's going to continue. They need Renfro back. They need Adamas, Urias. They, they need all of their guys back. Hopefully Woodruff soon. They need much-needed off day today, Craig Council said after the game yesterday, and you heard this in the intro. Oh, uh, yeah, everyone's looking forward to it, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh... Look, I mean, I think everybody's looking forward to an off day. I don't, I don't think that changes no matter what most most times of the year. But um, you know, like I said, we're getting healthier, and 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 just a day for everybody to to kind of get away from it. Frankly, is is good. I think the Brewers have a little college student in them that when they know a off day is on the horizon, or they know the All Star break is coming up, they'll mail it in for a couple of games. <laughs> We've seen this. We've seen this the, the entire Craig Council era. Go back to 2018. Remember when they got swept five straight games uh, by the Pirates going into the All-Star break? And it culminated in that huge meltdown where the ball went through Eric Kratz's legs. And I'm pretty sure it was raining. It was just a gong show, right? The Brewers have a tendency when they know an off day is coming, even if it's deserved, 18 games in 17 days, they have a tendency to, to slip a little bit, which we all do. We, that's what we do in our job. You remember as a student, if you had a spring break coming up, you're just, you're just getting a spring break. All the assignments, that can wait. Just get to break, right? So the Brewers are definitely doing that. I get that they're injured, and they're still off to a great start. They're leading the division. I'm not worried about the Brewers. Something I got to say, and I don't even know what this means, but I got to say it. And I saw this. Shout out to our friend Bart Winkler, who tweeted this out this morning. I almost didn't believe it, and then I looked it up. Christian Yelich has one RBI since May 13th. One. One singular run batted in since May 13th. So we're coming up on a month here. And I joked with David Gasper last week, hey, it's almost to June, which means it'll be time for another Christian Yelich big hit. And then we'll have to wait for July for the next one. But still exciting when we, when we get to a new month, right? 
He's your three. He's your three hitter, Brewers fans. He's our three hitter. He's got one RBI since May thirteenth. He doesn't need to be that much better than he. It's not like he needs to hit three eighty. But if he could hit two sixty and give you one double and one home run every week, in addition to what he's giving you now, which is basically, hold on, let me pull up his stat. Nothing. If you could just get one double and one home run a week, it'd be an extra win. It would literally be an extra win because some of these games live on a razor's edge. The pitching is so good. The bullpen's so good. If you could just get a little something, a tiny little something from Yelich once a week, twice a week, it'd make a world of difference. They can't even get that. One RBI since May 13th. So I assumed today, just based on Twitter and and knowing some of you that call and text, today's probably the day we talk about maybe moving Yelich around in the lineup. Which up until this point I've resisted, but today seems like the natural day. 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's talk more Brewers coming up next. Packers at 430. Mandatory minicamp this week. We'll talk about that. That's all coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'd say that's accurate. I'd say that's pretty on the nose. Yeah, Brewers, two shutouts over the weekend and not shutting out the other team. They got shut out. Uh, And then yesterday scoring three runs before extra innings. So they did cash in an extras getting that extra runner that starts on second base. They got three runs yesterday and they were all off Colton Wong homers. So yeah, Craig Council, I think in that seven bite soundbite, you you just about nailed it. Uh, Not great. For the offense right now. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk Packers in about 10 or 12 minutes. Mandatory minicamp this week. So Rogers has now shown up. He's there. Hopefully everyone's going to be there. I have a very interesting Packers topic that I uh, <laughs> shamelessly stole from another show. And we will credit that show. I think it's a really fun topic. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Jason, Lower Tainer Lake, texts in. Uh, by the way, I, I told a story about going to the dump this morning. Uh, it was very exciting. Not taking a dump, going to the dump. Uh, just so you all heard that correctly. I did go to the dump this morning. Jason on Lower Tainer Lake says, Hey, Grant, you should have taken my Cubbies to the dump. That bullpen is just awful. Yeah, the Cubs blew it last night. That was a bummer. We were two screening it. We had the finals on the big screen and then Cubs Cardinals on the other one. Great game. I was cheering for your Cubbies. I wanted to see him pull it off. Great play by Contreras. That guy just plays with the gas pedal all the way down. Getting that play at first, that was really nice. Yeah, uh, going to the dump. Yeah, Brewers offense. I saw Christian Yelich at the dump. He was on the the pile next to uh, the wood. So there was the shingle pile and then the home goods pile, the electronics pile, and then there was Christian Yelich. He was in, I think, bin number 11, um, right alongside the Packers special teams. They were <laughs> they were in there too, thanks to the text, 608-796-2558. You can give me a call or find me on Twitter if Twitter's your thing, at Wisco Grant. The Brewers' offense is terrible, as we've been talking about. Half of their offense is hurt. Yelich is invisible, right? It kind of sucks that, that Renfro got... Renfro was their one outfielder who was ooping. He's actually hitting really, really well. And, of course, he gets hurt. Lorenzo Cain's healthy, but he's just not... Did you did you see the article with Adam McAlvey where he talked to Lorenzo Cain? What the hell is Lorenzo Cain's deal? I'm almost a little upset at him, because Lorenzo Cain, if you didn't see the piece, maybe I can pull it up and, and we can quote it specifically, but basically it's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing up there right now. It kind of stinks that I have to play because Renfro's hurt, but I guess we'll deal with it. It's like, hey, you played in a World Series, man. You're as experienced as they come. You played in a bunch of big games. You're supposed to be better than this. I get it if you have a tough month, 
You've had a bad month to start the season, but don't go talking to a beat report and being like, yeah, I'm hopeless. I wish I didn't have to play, but, you know, we're so injured, so I got to be out there. Hey, can, can, you not, can you not say stuff like that, man? I don't know. That rubbed me the wrong way. I'm excited to talk about that with David Gasper tomorrow, reviewing the brew. I know our friend Rockin' Rick texts in and says, ask David Gasper tomorrow uh, about David Weimer. We should call him up. Yeah, I... I don't know. Calling up the next guy isn't always the answer. I don't know what the answer is with this Brewers conversation. Still have the best start in franchise history through X number of games. Still leading the division. It's still the same Brewers. Folks, we've talked about this basically same team. 2019, I guess mostly 2020, 2021, and now in 2022. It's the same team. The pitching is excellent. Josh Hader is unbelievable. And you're just trying to scrounge up enough offense to make it work. And for the most part, they do. Yeah, they have cold stretches. And the cold stretches are so brutal, it feels worse than it is. The Brewers are middle of the pack offensively. Kurt Hogue of the Journal Sentinel put out a pretty good piece. The Brewers currently rank 13th in the MLB and 8th in the National League with 4.42 runs per game. They're not the worst in the league. They're middle of the pack. But the problem is when the offense gets bummy, it feels way worse than it is. Because now the starting pitching doesn't matter. And now Josh Hader can't be utilized. And the crowd is dead. And there's no excitement when you're watching. It's not like the Brewers are the worst offensive team in the league. Far from it. But when the offense gets bad, it feels worse. It, it, it's, it's accentuated. It feels, it feels worse than it is. And it's pretty bad. But it just affects the viewing and it affects the vibes of the game. So where I think... We think the Brewers are worse than they are. It's almost the inverse of the Packers, right? For 10 years, the Packers' offense has been good. Aaron Rodgers has been good, minus a couple playoff games. And we've just been hoping every year, just make the defense good enough. It's the same with the Brewers' offense. We just need it to be good enough. A couple of other stats from Kurt Hogue. Five times they put up seven or more runs in a game, but they were also held to two or fewer runs six times, including a pair of consecutive shutouts over the weekend to San Diego the series we're talking about. Milwaukee has been shut out six times this year, tied with Washington for the most in the National League, and it's nine times scoring two or fewer runs is tied for third most in the league. So they have their, this is the way I'm reading it. They have their good games, and when they're good, they're good, but they also have some bad games to the tune of about the eighth best offense in the National League, which, considering their record, I mean, if if you're winning all these games with the eighth best offense and a lot of your guys are hurt, you're actually doing okay. The Yelich part worries me. The Yelich part really worries me. He doesn't. He's one RBI since May 13th, and I just, I don't know what we're supposed to say about him. It's not like he's got to hit 380. Can you hit 250 and give us I don't know one big hit a week? It'd make a world of difference. That's all we need. That's all we need. Just don't be invisible. Do a little something. I don't know if it's time to move him down. I figured I'd get some of those calls and texts today. Let's talk to Daryl. Daryl, what's going on? Well, where are you going to move him down in the lineup? That's the thing. That's my I, first question. I don't know. And there I, is, I know Daryl. Yeah, when you, when you, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> the problem is, is that this whole team, everybody could be moved around in such a way. Keane uh, hasn't hit for so long that even when he gets one, it's an amazement. Oh, yeah. Uh, McCut- McCutcheon has, has been in a slump. Every, I mean, it's like if you really think about this as far as the way that they want to play and the guys that aren't doing what they're capable of playing, this is why this team can't hit with a dang. Okay? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like the pitching is so awesome. It's just that 
you got you, you said yourself you're talking about Kane, for example. Kane doesn't look like he's even reading the pitch coming out of the hand. No, he's lost. Okay. He is lost. He's he's lost. He's lost. Yeah, I agree with you. But then again, who do you have have left? You only got Taylor left as yeah. far as it goes in the outfield. I don't know. It's not like Corey it's not like Corey Ray is gonna come up from the minors and do anything <laughs> dynamic. I thought you were about to say Corey Hart. Okay. I thought you were about to say Corey Hart's not walking through that door and I was yeah. I was about to celebrate well, a Corey Hart mention. <laughs> well, you know, I would tell you this much: my wife would be more happy if Corey Hart showed up. My mom, my uh, mom, <laughs> my mom loves Corey Hart. Corey Hart with the ladies does very well. Yes, she does. Yes, he does. Let's put it this way: um, uh, we, I think, we still have a pennant around the house here somewhere with uh, Corey Hart on it. And uh, uh, there are times when I know she wants me to put it back out in the window just because. It was, it's the only only thing of meaning as far as for her, for the Brewers. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my, my, my point in the matter is this, is that the offense, no matter what they do, I think they need to shake it up just like when they brought in Adamas. They need to find somebody to go out there trade for that's going to actually solidify something in the lineup. The, um, uh, Rowdy is only good yay much as far as uh, the power hitting as far as it goes. I mean, mm-hmm. he's only got 10. I mean, but there's no consistency. This team is inconsistent, and that is going to be the key phrase when I say this. Everything they do is inconsistent. Um, up and down the lineup, uh, even some of the pitching has been a touch of inconsistency. It's better yeah. than it has been. Mm-hmm. It's better than it has been, but it's still a touch of inconsistency because there's some of the guys are, are you know, they, they they need to take that next step pitching wise, mm-hmm. but on offense, on offense, with all the shifting and all the other stuff they're doing and stuff like that, the the thing that got me most is when the other team can bunt on you and you can't make the play. Yeah, their defense, Daryl, hasn't, like, Coleman Wong's been prone to a mistake. And I know, look, you're without Urias and Adamas, so you're not playing your top options at third and short. But their defense has been leaky. I thought Eric Lauer got hung out to dry a couple of times yesterday afternoon. That's tough for him. You bet. That's that, When your defense is the first thing, the first thing that goes, that means you're – I mean, it's pitching and defense that work hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Pitching and defense have to work hand in hand because the, the offense is on its own and it's going to have to do it, uh, do it in any way possible. The Brewers depend too much on the long ball and the inability on consistent bases to string together hits. Yeah. And when they can figure that out, when they can figure that out, that's when they're going to be in the same class as the Dodgers and some of the other teams that are in the National League. Daryl, you brought it today. I appreciate the call. Have a good one. That's Daryl, 608-796-2558. Consistency. You're right. Daryl, if you can give me one guy in the lineup, one guy who I can count on, right? Now, I like Rowdy Telez, but I don't know that I'm betting that Rowdy Telez is a consistent power hitter who produces for an entire season. Same with Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor can do it in stretches, right? We've seen, who, who was the other guy? Hunter Renfro was hot for a little bit. There's one name who I'm trying, Omar Arvaez was red hot, then he got covid all of these guys can get hot for stretches. They need one guy in the lineup that you just know. They don't have a Molina. They don't have a Joey Votto. They don't have a Freddie Freeman. That's supposed to be Yelich. And we saw in 2018, the Brewers offense was great in 2018, but it's not like they had all-stars up and down the team. They had Yelich to anchor it. And when you have that anchor, it makes life easier for everyone else. And they don't have that anchor right now, which makes life more difficult for everyone else. It's so segmented. It's so broken. We saw in the eighth inning, they sent eight guys to the plate. They scored two runs, and it was only because Colton Wong got a hold of a, a homer. 
that that's that's a testament to how disjointed this offense is. There's no flow. There's no connectivity. It seems like everyone's trying to do it themselves. Ten years ago, if you told me Brewers sent eight to the plate in an inning, I'd say, oh, so score four runs, three three runs, four runs, five runs. No, 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 two, and they both came on a home run. When you don't have the one anchor point around which all of the different offensive pieces can operate, then it feels like everyone's trying to do it by themselves. And then it, it, it makes it more painful. It makes it harder. Every run you have to score, you actually have to score like a run and a half. You need to work extra hard to get your offense because everyone's trying to do it themselves. Daryl, we got to take a break. I appreciate the call. Thank you. We'll come back to the Brewers later in the show. I want to talk about mandatory minicamp and an interesting Aaron Rodgers topic that I heard on another radio show, which we are going to steal. We're going to give credit, but we're going to steal because it's a good topic. We're going to do that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Give me a call or a text, 608 796 2558. It's a good way to join the show. You can join me on Twitter, tweet at me at Wisco Grant. Tomorrow at this time, Justin Garcia is going to join the show. Uh, multi-pronged performance from Justin, I think, tomorrow. Now, Justin, of course, is with the Bucks Radio Network. He's with the team. So we're going to talk about the Bucks, their offseason, and the NBA Finals. But also, we're going to have some Grateful Dead talk with Justin tomorrow. This is a deadhead show. We are a jam band-friendly show. And Justin is big deadhead. Uh, and Dead & Company starts their tour this week. So if any of you may be planning to go to Wrigley in a couple weeks, I talked to a couple listeners who are going to... The Pavilion in Indiana, which name escapes me, but that's fine. Uh, Tomorrow, Justin and I are going to share our perfect Grateful Dead set. Uh, The rules are eight songs apiece and two encores. Uh, So that's what we're going to do tomorrow. Speaking of music, maybe one of you can help me with this. I was talking to Perry Goldstein, friend of show, who we got to get on. She just started a new job, so she's very busy, but I'm trying to get her on to talk Packers and do some off-season stuff. She went to see Ray LaMontagne last night. And, or maybe it was two nights ago. I don't, I don't remember. We were talking about it today. And she sent me a song, and God, it remi- I, it reminds me of another song, and it's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. I'm pretty sure it's a B.B. King song, but I can't. I, I'm like 90% there. It's right there. The song is called Roll Me Mama, Roll Me. If anyone can go listen to that, and please tell me, it's on the tip of my tongue. So maybe one of you can get it. Thank you. Just go ahead and tweet me, at Wisco Grant. You can DM me if you want the link, but I need to figure this out, or I'm not going to sleep tonight. So if someone wants to please help me out with that, uh, it'd be appreciated. Let's talk some Packers. OTAs start this week. Now, last week, or OTAs, excuse me, were last two weeks. Let me get this right. I should write this down on the wall in front of me because I the, these sound so interchangeable, and they're not. OTAs were the last two weeks, and those are mandatory. And Matt LaFleur, when asked, are you comfortable not having so-and-so here? This was his answer. I'm not comfortable with anybody not being here. <laughs> so I like them all here. But, you know, like, again, it's it's their choice. So, you know, next week is mandatory minicamp. So there's consequences, obviously, for, for not coming. So we have now reached mandatory minicamp. Last week and the week before were OTAs, a.k.a. organized team activities, a.k.a. a chance to get better and hang out with your teammates. Rasul Douglas was there, loved that. Randall Cobb was there, loved that. Loved the couple of veterans that showed up. That's a chance to get better. We need to get better. We need to get better. We need to get better. They haven't made a Super Bowl in 12 years. The idea that nobody needs to be there and the fact that Packers fans accept that, I just, I, I don't know why. I don't get it, but I digress. We talked about that for the last two weeks, right? This week, we'll have all the big boys in attendance. 
Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Now, Alan Lazard wants a new deal. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not so sure. God, I hope Sammy Watkins is there. He wasn't there for OTAs, which didn't make a whole lot of sense. He's a veteran, but he's new, right? So we'll, over the course of the week, get to see who's there, and we'll get to hear from them in pressers, and Rodgers will speak. That'll always be a trip. I'm sure he'll... I'm sure that presser will be boring. Won't say anything that starts any sort of story or controversy before Aaron Rodgers shows up and before we really get this ball rolling, because at some point this week we're going to hear from Rodgers and he'll give us something to talk about. Before we get to that point, something I want to ask you, and I'm hoping we can talk about this for like the next 30 to 40 minutes, because I think it's a really interesting topic. What kind of pressure is Aaron Rodgers under this season, in your opinion? A lot? A little? More than last, last year? Less than last year, the most pressure he's been under since XYZ year, the most in his career, the least in his career. Where, where do you think it, where do, where's the fall on the spectrum of pressure, expectations of Aaron Rodgers to and the Packers to have a great season and to get over the hump and finally advance to a Super Bowl? Again, I made the decision in this January. We're, I'm not I'm not asking to win a Super Bowl anymore. Just get just get to one for God's sake. That's my new standard. Just just get there, please. How much pressure is Aaron Rodgers under? More than usual, less than usual, more than last year, less than last year, whatever whatever scale you want to use, whatever point of comparison you want to use. Now, this is a topic that started on Rich Eisen's show, uh, and it's a great topic. It's a great point. He's not, he's not presenting it as a topic. He's presenting it as an opinion, and he says Aaron Rodgers is under no pressure. Now he's thinking, you know what? Without Devontae Adams, we're going to see Aaron Rodgers show some diminishing returns, and that puts the pressure on him. You hear about that all-time pressure. Mm-hmm. Big time. Quarterback with the most pressure. Absolutely. So many people most put pipes. Aaron Rodgers at the top of the list. I turn around and I say this. What? Zero pressure on Aaron Rodgers this oh, year. Zero point zero pressure. This guy is putting zero point zero pressure on himself and has zero point zero pressure on him to do anything other than what we've seen from him over the last several years, which will be to be very successful. And Matt LaFleur and everybody's going to be sleeping on this offense this year and that they're going to have the running game to do it. And, yeah, they're going to have a passing game to do it, too. Might know you a little rough going the first couple weeks, maybe, but R E L A X zero point zero percent pressure on this guy this year. He's at the bottom of the list as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. So zero point zero pressure. I don't know what scale, but no pressure, right? Which I read it as he's never been under less pressure his entire career, as if he's now broken through this offseason to some the other side of some barrier through some sort of glass ceiling, and he's now reached a point where. He's done so much, he's accomplished so much, or he's signed a new deal or whatever. Something happened that took a bunch of pressure off him. Because going into last season, Green Bay was a pressure cooker. Right? It was the last dance. One last ride where everyone's staying together and kind of effed up the salary cap to make it all work and moved money around to make it work and couldn't cut anyone to make it work. And I still think Jair and Zedaria Smith and some other Packers players maybe would have gotten season-ending surgery, maybe would have handled last season differently had last season been normal circumstances, but it was not. It was full of pressure. So Rich Eisen is basically saying something has happened this offseason where the Packers were under all the pressure and Aaron Rodgers was under all the pressure. Now he's under none of the pressure. That's what he's saying. Okay, so let's start there. I, I want to react to Rich's comments first because there's some things in there I totally agree with. First of all, I totally buy that Rodgers isn't putting pressure on himself. 
I 100% buy into that. Rodgers doesn't put pressure on himself. I've been saying this since January, and no one wants to hear it. Every guest I've tried to pitch this to disagrees with it and hate it, mostly because it's been all Packers people, right? Rodgers isn't as competitive as we think. I'll say it, and I really believe that. And if Rodgers were here and I were to tell him that, he'd say, oh, that's a load of blah, 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 blah. But I'd, I'd be like, no, Aaron, I, I actually, in this instance, I think I know. He would deny it, and most Packers fans do. But Rodgers is not as competitive as we think. I said this right when the season ended, and I believe it more today than I than I did weeks ago. I'd bet money that Rodgers views last season as a huge success. One of the best seasons of my career. Maybe the best. I won MVP. I modernized the Green Bay front office and opened up new channels of communication. And now they treat veterans well, and they loop in their star players on what's going on. And that was because of me, and that doesn't happen without me. And I got a new big contract, made lots of money. Team friendly, team friendly, 50 million, categorically false. Team friendly, team friendly, everybody. But new new contract, right? All these wins that Rodgers had last year. MVP, I, I, would, I would bet my house that he takes ownership over the new communication structure in the Green Bay front office and now how they handle star players. And I whipped Brian Gutekinds into shape and I got myself a new $50 million, well, not $50 million deal. It's team friendly. That's categorically false. But again, got myself a new deal. I think that Rodgers looks at last season and where I see a categorical failure, it'd be one thing to lose a tough battle in the NFC championship game. You guys scored 10 points at home and lost to the Niners who weren't that good. Packers fans, I think we, in our mind, revise history a little bit. Oh, the Niners got a great defensive front, and that defense is nasty. Kyle Shanahan, the offense, great. Yeah, that offense was really good. And you know what? The Green Bay defense pitched a shutout. That that Niners defense, nowhere close to what it was two years ago. But in our mind, we've created that version of the Niners to help, to help rationalize that loss. That loss shouldn't be rationalized. That was horrendous. Yeah, the special teams were bad. So what? Whatever. My foot hurts. I still got to work today, Okay. It's just, that loss was so bad, and I look at that, and that takes away anything that happened in the regular season. Packers fans, is it not called title town? It's Super Bowl or bust? Well, I'm saying last year was make it to the Super Bowl or bust. They didn't even come close. That's a catastrophic failure, and I bet that in his head, Rodgers looked back at that and says, great great season, super successful season. And that mindset is fine. You can think how you want. Athletes can be who they want and act the way that they want. But there are some mindsets and some personalities that are more and less conducive to winning. I think Rodgers is more of a I-just-work-here guy, a la Kirk Cousins, than he is a Brady. I think Brady, when he was eliminated last year, went home and I think he was pissed off for a month. I think he thinks about that loss every day, and it fuels him. I don't think Rodgers thinks about that loss of the Niners. And he's probably happier. Like, Rodgers, in his little own world, which I don't know what he does... He's probably happier, and he's more at peace with his cleanses and his meditation, and that's great. That's that's awesome. But as it relates to sports, Roger's personality is much more of a, well, I just work there guy, and I show up, and I do our part, and if we lose, uh, we lose. We'll try again next year. Brady is not that way. You know what I mean? Giannis is not that way. Michael Jordan was not that way. The best aren't that way. So I totally agree with Rich Eisen saying that Rogers isn't putting pressure on himself. I 100% bind that now everyone else how much pressure are fans and the nfl media and 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 packers fans fans as a whole the everyone else other than rogers that's what i want to talk about coming up next right the quote from rich eisen was there is no pressure on rogers quote to do anything other than what we've seen from him the last couple of years now i don't necessarily believe that to be true but if it is true 
That means that fans have made a decision on Rodgers and the Packers, and I can explain that. We'll talk more about this coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Zero pressure on Aaron Rodgers this oh, year. Zero point zero pressure. This guy is putting zero point zero pressure on himself and has zero point zero pressure on him to do anything other than what we've seen from him over the last several years, which will that. be to be very successful. And Matt LaFleur and everybody's going to be sleeping on this offense this year and that they're going to have the running game to do it. And, yeah, they're going to have the passing game to do it, too. Might know you a little rough going the first couple weeks, maybe, but R-E-L-A-X, 0.0% pressure on this guy this year. He's at the bottom of the list as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. That's Rich Eisen, who I enjoy. I like Rich Eisen. It's good topics, typically pretty mellow. He is, and I mean this respectfully, I think he's a poor man, Dan's Patrick. Very relaxing. He's not going to hit you with some outrageous hot take just to do it. I've always said that Dan Patrick is, um, <laughs> he's like friends or new girl. Right? Like when I'm hungover, I don't feel good. I don't want to watch a show that stresses me. I don't want to watch a show that makes me feel worried or makes me feel anything. That's new girl. Friends is not good, but it serves the purpose. It's the same with Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick, amazing hungover sports talk radio. Rich Eisen along those same lines. He's saying no pressure on the Packers. Rodgers puts no pressure on himself, which I agree with. I don't think Rodgers puts pressure on himself. Todd B is texted in. He says uh, he doesn't care if they get to the Super Bowl or not. If he cares, he would have checked into OTAs. Yes and no. I, I truthfully don't know if OTAs are that important. And I think he wants them to get to the Super Bowl. I think he definitely cares. I don't think he cares at a high enough level or at least a level comparable with some of the other great athletes of the last generation or so, where they're angry if they come away without at least making the championship round or winning a ring. I don't think Rodgers gets angry. I think it's in one out ear or in one ear out the other for the most part. Rock and Rick is here. 608-796-2558. What's up, Rick? Well, I think as far as pressure, I think uh, the media and all you talking heads take all the pressure off of him because you you guys are all saying he doesn't have any weapons without Devontae. Yeah. And uh, another another thought, I maybe I'm going to feel bad if I ever run into Rodgers and find out he's a super, super nice guy, but <laughs> he comes across to me like he has an eagle that has to be flown in on a separate plane, and I feel like he probably deep down thinks that he made Devontae who he is, and if I was Rodgers and I was as good as him, I'd want to come back and prove that I can do the same thing with one of these other receivers. That's how I would feel if I had Rodgers' talent. I would want to come back and say, I can make another Devontae Adams out of one of these guys. Rockin' right. Now, I'm going to feel bad for saying that if I find out he doesn't have that bad ego, but that's sure how he comes across. I mean, it's it's possible for him to be a very nice person and also have an ego. Like, those two things, can those aren't mutually exclusive, right? I, I, I don't know. The more I hear about Rodgers, the more I read about Rodgers, he just, there's just a lot going on there. I, just, I, I don't yeah, know. That's maybe the best way to put it. There's a lot going on with him. <laughs> he's a complicated fellow, that's no doubt. But yeah. he sure has the ability. I think he has the ability to, uh, and you've known over my text sort of, well, ever since uh, we heard Devontae was leaving. Mm-hmm. I love Lazard, and I just think that he has 
yeah. he has great potential. And if I was Aaron, I would try to make another Devante out of him. But anyway, that's about all I had to say was that I think you guys are taking a lot of pressure off him <laughs> by saying that he doesn't have any weapons anymore. So That's a good point. All right, thanks, Rick. Thanks for the call. Have a good one. You bet, Grant. You too. Rockin' Rick. 608-796-2558. That's a good point. I think Rodgers is competitive in some ways and not in others. I can see that this is going to turn into the psychoanalyze Aaron Rodgers show, which was not my intention. Well, I think we can psychoanalyze Aaron Rodgers while also talking about other things. I I think Rodgers is very competitive in some ways and not in others. I think he's very competitive. I think winning the MVP means a lot to him. And to a certain extent, it should. I'm not going to fault Aaron Rodgers for really wanting to win MVPs. I, I feel like I feel like a lot of Packers fans would say that Rodgers would trade an MVP to get back to another Super Bowl any day. And I, for the most part, agree. But I also think there's a world in which that's not true. I think the MVP means a lot to Rodgers. I think the drafting of Jordan Love motivated Aaron Rodgers at a level that we hadn't seen. It's like, well, wait, if this was there all along, man, what have we been doing for the last four years? Where the offense gets stale and you're not very good and we're exiting in the first or the second round, you're like, oh, the defense isn't any good. And then all of a sudden, Jordan Love is drafted and you start playing with your hair on fire. So he's motivated and competitive in some ways, but weirdly not in others. He's a complicated fella. I think Mark Murphy hit the nail right on the head when he said that. He was more right than we knew at the time. We can talk more about the Packers. Is there pressure on Aaron Rodgers? Rich Eisen says, no, none, zero. I'm not sure that I agree, but if there is no pressure on Aaron Rodgers, then to me... That means that we've decided that Aaron Rodgers isn't back to another Super Bowl. And that's that. Well, there's no pressure. If he didn't do it the last couple of years, he's not doing it. So who even cares? I don't feel that way, but maybe some people do. We'll talk more coming up next. I think everybody's looking forward to an off day. I don't think that changes what most times of the year. But um, we're getting healthier. Just a day for everybody to, to kind of get away from it, frankly, is, is good. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. more NBA about a half hour or so game two was a treat last night mostly the third quarter I was watching with some friends and as the game was wrapping up everyone's like oh another blowout great it's like whoa whoa, 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 whoa. that game might have been a blowout by the end but watching the Warriors do their thing in the third quarter and watching Jordan Poole hit a pair of just ridiculous shots I don't care that that game was a blowout because the third quarter was so much fun I almost didn't care about the fourth quarter so we'll talk more NBA series now tied 1-1 as the final shift back to Boston. We'll get back to that in half hour, 40 minutes, something like that. Right now we're talking Packers and a take, an opinion, um, just, just thrown out by Rich Eisen on his show. That the Packers and Aaron Rodgers specifically under no pressure, zero pressure on Aaron Rodgers this season after Devontae Adams has left and he's signed his extension. And I'm not even sure that I disagree with that. I feel like there's less pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I feel like the Packers and Packers fans have taken a collective breath and exhale. I don't really know why. Maybe we can get into that. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. You can text me or call me, 608-796-2558. Big Joe. Big Joe, welcome to the show. What's going on? Hey, buddy. How you doing, Grant? I am doing well. I've had the day. I, I said about an hour ago, I went to the dump this morning and handled some man business. So when the day starts like that, <laughs> the day is set up for success. I thought you were talking about the crapper. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to make that very quick. I went no, to no, the no, dump. No. I did not take a dump. Important distinction. Uh, Although both prop, both maybe both had happened today. I'm just not going to talk about the other one. <laughs> so, uh, Grant, down here in the imagine area, and I think I told you this too. I used to, be, I did cross country in high school. We had a cross country made at Mass and West, mm-hmm. but they ran at like it was right next to a landfill, so we always called it the dump. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's kind of a, see. That's what's cool about see, seeing you brought up cross country. Now I'm allowed to partake. That's what's cool about cross country is all the courses are very different. Every course has different character. It's a lot like golf in that way. Yeah, I know. Uh, I never ran there, but I know down in Albany, down by me, that's in Greene County. They ran a meet at a farm, actually, because they didn't have a cross country course. So they just ran it on a farm. I've heard that story. I've heard that was really cool. That's tough. That's tough. I remember we ran a course in River Falls. They had an extreme meet every year where you cut through a couple little little creeks. Oh, brutal, but, oh, okay. but different, something different, you know? Right. No, Grant, uh, good stuff. Um, my take on the Packers, and I'm going to quote Jake Taylor in Major League, mm-hmm. there's only one thing left to do this year, and that's win the whole effing thing, my friend. Does that mean that there's a bunch of pressure on them? Because that's the one thing they haven't done. They haven't got back to a Super Bowl, so that should be the expectation. But with that expectation should come pressure, right? And yet I feel like there's less think, pressure now on the Packers than there has been the last couple of years. Grant, I think you'll agree with me too, buddy. I think being a Packers fan... Always our our expectation every year is always Super Bowl or bust. Mm-hmm. We're never too worried about the we're always never too worried about winning the division because I mean let's face it the Vikings are the Vikings the Bears are always hit or miss and the Lions are just you know hey we're gonna play them two games a year and we're probably gonna get a good game out of them but we'll beat them both times probably yeah I. I think the Vikings will be better this year. I think the Lions will be better. I wouldn't be shocked I if the Lions got, got one off the, the Packers that, this year. I wouldn't be shocked. That's the thing with the Vikings. They scare me. It's like, yeah, they still got Delvin Cook. They got Cousins. And their receivers are not bad. I mean, They're that's not good. a bad team. Like, just think if they played in another division, they probably would win the NFC South. I'm just saying. I mean, other than Tampa, mm-hmm. I mean, they'd be a wild card probably at best. Would they win the, would the, would the Vikings win the NFC East, do you think? Yes. I, think, I, I don't I put them to win the NFC East. Other than maybe, I don't know, uh, I'm kind of all in on the Eagles. I think Vikings it would it would challenge the Eagles. I think so, Eagles. too. I work with guys that diehard Eagles fan. He goes, I tell you what, he goes, we're flying under the radar. And he goes, Jalen Hurts is better than you think. I go, I think so, too. Um, no, I, I caught the beginning, too, and you are talking about the NBA Finals last night. I'm just going to ask you, Grant, and then I'll, I'll hang up. But okay. uh, what do you think? Is Steph Curry probably the best shooter that you've seen in the in the last 20 years, other than Reggie Miller? Mm, well, Ray with, Allen's up there. Yeah, I mean, with the, the, the here's the thing. Like, you could talk about, I mean, other great shooters. Like, I remember watching Corver, who did it for a long time, and Redick. But no, yep. none of those guys who, who maybe have a higher percentage. I don't know. I'd have to pull up the numbers. But the guys who shoot a higher percentage than Curry, and they're prob- there might not be any. I don't know. I'm, I'm completely going off the dome here. The thing is, Curry does it off the dribble. Like, there was a play last night, Big Joe, where the oh, ball yeah. got kicked out to him, I and he had a it. wide open three, and instead of taking the wide open three off the catch, he did a stutter step to the side so he could take the shot off the dribble. So he, I, I don't know, he shoots from every position and every place on the floor. That's why he's so fun to watch. Oh yeah, definitely. <sighs> well, you was at that Brewer game yesterday, buddy. Yeah, that's that was anything but fun, I'd imagine. 
Hey, I'm a Padres fan, though. You forget that. So that oh, big yeah. home run, the I'm cr- going crazy, buddy. <laughs> the Crone uh, Zone. The Crone Zone, Big Joe. I like him a lot, though. I think he's going to be a good player. Uh, the other highlight of my weekend was me and my girlfriend went and saw the Giannis mural in Milwaukee. That thing was so cool. Mm, did you get a picture? You got to send it to me on Twitter. I did, yeah. I think I have it on my Twitter, Grant. Nice. Well, I'll go, I'll go, look it. It up. I'll go find it. Thanks for the call, Big Joe. I'm going to let you go. Have a good one. Always, buddy. Good to talk to you. Yeah, good to talk to you. So, Big Joe, I keep forgetting you're a Padres fan. If I was a Padres fan and this was a Padres show, I would be so obnoxious about the crone zone. Do you know how annoying? I'd bring that up every couple minutes. I would find a way to say crone zone as often as possible. I think that's awesome. Problem is he keeps he keeps beating the Brewers with, with big plays. Thanks for the call, Big Joe. I'm going to go look at your Twitter. Uh, I want to see this picture of you and your lovely girlfriend in front of the mural. Not because I don't believe your girlfriend is real. No, 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 no. I believe it. I just I want to see a picture. It's a really cool mural. I'm going to be in Milwaukee, uh, the mean streets, this next weekend, hoping for good weather. Maybe I'll go down and take a picture in front of the mural. Maybe, Big Joe, you can meet me there. Why not? Just let me know. 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I agree with Big Joe, especially the way in which he's always able to quote Major League. The one thing the Packers haven't done is, I'm not going to say win at all. They haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl. I do think there is a certain... How do I want to put this? Because David Monona will call and crush me if I word this incorrectly. There is a certain cachet that comes with making a Super Bowl. I think you get credit for getting there, right? Because with Brady, you say, well, he's won this many and he's been there this many times. With LeBron, he's won X number of rings and he's gone to the finals X number of times. There is something to be said for that. I mean, with Favre, Packers fans, we know this. If we're ever upset at Rodgers, what do we say? Well, hell, at least Favre got to a second Super Bowl. We bring it up. So it matters. How much it matters is up to you as a fan with how you judge and, you know, how you view things. And I know, you know, David Minot will probably call it, oh, if you don't win it all, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you get there or not. That's a loser mentality. No, it does. It does matter if you get there. If you get there, it matters. When we're talking legacies. If Rodgers were have just gotten to a second one over the last 10 years, we'd feel differently. So forget winning it all. The one thing that the Packers have yet to accomplish, whether it be in the second part of the McCarthy era or in this era of Matt LaFleur, and now Hackett's gone, so the staff looks a little bit different. So we're kind of in our second chapter of the Matt LaFleur book. Hopefully still early. Hopefully he's a good coach for the Packers for a long time. But we're moving along the Matt LaFleur era, and whether it be McCarthy post-2010, 2011, or Matt LaFleur now post-2018, 19, they haven't gotten back to a second Super Bowl under Aaron Rodgers. That's what they haven't done. So one would think that the pressure would be higher than ever. It should continue to go up every year. It should be linear, right? With every year that they don't make it, the pressure continues to go up. And up until this season, that's been true. But this offseason, it feels like we've taken a collective breath. It's like, oh, we can breathe. Which makes it feel like there's less pressure on the Packers, less than ever. Why is that? Right? With Devontae Adams departing in a trade, that should put more pressure on Aaron Rodgers, and yet it feels like it's put less pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Right? With them coming up short, not just two years ago against the Bucks in a game that they had in their hand at home, but then they come up short last year, all they would have had to do is beat the Niners and then Matt Stafford at Lambeau. They could have done that. Oh, my God, it was there. It was on a platter for them, and they couldn't get it done. So the pressure this year coming up short the last two, it should be sky high. And for some reason, it feels like it's not. I don't know why. 
Why is there no pressure? Is it because Rodgers signed his extension? And therefore, it feels like there's security. We know that Rodgers is going to be here at least one more year, maybe two, maybe three. I don't know. I think there's a very realistic world in which this is his last year in Green Bay. But still, with this new extension, we feel more secure. Is that why it feels like the pressure's been turned down? Maybe. Maybe. And I heard this was a point that was made. I was listening to a little bit of our friend Bart Winkler around 930 this morning. This is a point he made. Maybe we've just come to accept that the Packers probably aren't getting back to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. So we have turned down the pressure because we know it's not happening, right? Once you, once you realize it's not happening, there's, there's, there's almost a sigh of relief. It's like, okay, well, it's not going to happen. Now we can proceed. I don't know. It seems like, in my opinion, the pressure on Rodgers and the Packers should be higher than ever, but it doesn't feel that way. And I'm not really sure why. Let's go to the phone, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is Joe and Lacrosse. How are you, Grant? Joe and Lacrosse. I am well. What's going on, Joe? Oh, not a whole heck of a lot. Just had a little rookie fantasy draft for my wife's work dynasty league, and uh, that was interesting. <laughs> but nobody likes to really talk about fantasy football on the radio. It's just not good radio. Can I? But, can I ask? Yeah. Like, which rookie did you? Which was your first round pick? What, what was your top pick? I'm curious. Oh, we got second place. We being, uh, you know me managing her team oh it's a it's a team so, effort. that's how marriage works that's that's great yeah, no yeah um so i got uh the the uh, malik willis in oh. the first round um it's only rookies so it's weird you know it's kind of a a new thing sure but okay. figured he was a good pull i got uh christian you know uh was it watson for the pack yeah um and then you know by the fourth or fifth round i didn't know a single player and uh <laughs> you know Pretty well shut her down. Yeah, I don't know why they don't do it after training camp. It seems kind of strange to do it this early in the season. Yeah, that's really early. Season, but, uh, yeah, you know, a bunch of gamers. What are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing you can do. What do you think on the pressure on the Packers, Joe? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ride or die. I'm an optimist. So, you know, when I look at kind of where the pack's at, the defense, the rookies, the young talent, the Rodgers contract, I just think we – I think we're in the spot that we want to be in. You know, I think we will continue our streak of 13 win seasons, extend the record to four, and uh, win a bunch of games. You know, I, I was talking with Dave before he cut out. It's like shit. You get shoot. Excuse me. Uh, you get a you get a lot of good Sundays in the fall, and that's yeah. good. And you know what? What do you trade that off for? You know, you win you win 13 games out of 18 weeks. You get a lot of good afternoons. You get a lot of good evenings. And, uh, you know, Super Bowl or bust, I guess. But, I mean, I like being happy a lot because I get kind of sad when the Packers lose. I do, too. I, man, have our minds as Packers fans kind of been ruined the last couple of years? Well, not yours, Joe. You're, you sound like you're in great shape. But I can't watch the Packers beating up on the Washington football team and winning by 14 and get amped about it. That doesn't do it for me anymore. And that's probably, that's a me problem. It sounds like, cause it sounds like you still get a big kick out of that. Yeah. And I mean, you, I mean, but it, it's so easy in the playoffs, you know, all of a sudden we're like, Oh, you know, we, we got off the run game. There it went. Yeah. You know, we, we leaned and we, you know, all, all of a sudden we can't complete a pass that we've been completing all season long. You know, just floating it over the receiver's head on that little out route, that little corner out. It's like, Oh, but like I said, you know, you, you get a lot of good weekends in the fall, a lot of nice days with the Packers win, whether you're listening on the radio or you're listening on the, the TV or whatever you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I just don't 
think you have to win the Super Bowl to have a good season, as as you mm. see with Bucky Badger. I mean, shit, well, we get a lot of good days with Bucky Badger. We're going to lose to Indiana in <laughs> November, and it's going to hurt. Um, Northwestern's going to all of a sudden sneak up on us and get us, but yeah, you know, for the most part, you're winning 80% of your games, and I'm I'm pretty happy with that. My father-in-law's a Bears fan. He's just miserable all the time. Claims every year he's going to quit watching football. So, well, that's what I, they I say. My position. my best friend is a Bears fan, and he quits on the team a bunch, and he always ends up watching, which is how it's supposed to work. I'm not I'm not bad mouthing yeah. my friend. He occasionally listens, so I want to make sure I, I got you, buddy. But it's I think that's what a lot of Bears fans do. I'm never watching this team again. And the next Sunday, they're right back in the recliner. They're locked in again. I'm with you. Have a good evening. Yeah, you as well, Joe. Joe is uh. Good vibes, optimist. Joe could be the leader of the vibe tribe for the Packers positivity. I think this season, I think I'll be able to get excited about some of those games where in the previous years I can't because I'm excited to see this defense. We haven't really seen I mean, when was the last time we were excited about a Packers defense? It was week one of 2018 where Rogers like, we got a defense. Or maybe that was 2019. Which year was that? I think it was the first Matt LaFleur year, right? Where Rogers said, we got a defense, and then they did not have a defense. <laughs> but that one week, we thought maybe we did. Last year, we had some good defensive performances, and that was a treat to watch. But this year, there's some actual excitement. There's heavy offseason investment through the draft and through salary cap space, mostly with re-signing and with extensions. But they also brought in Reed on the defensive line, so they brought in some new names, too. A lot of investment in that defense. They lost to Darius Smith which stinks. Again, I would have been okay with Karloftis because I think they're a little shallow at a dresser, but adding Quay Walker, probably going to put him at the star. That makes them more flexible. I love being flexible in any sport. This is the football thing. You want to be flexible to play different sizes and combinations of players and, and looks in basketball or in baseball, hitting righties and lefties. We've learned very important. So you want to be multiple. And I think Quay Walker will allow them to do that. Um, they're a little shallow at a dresser, but I'm very excited about this defense. I am excited to tune in even if you tell me, hey, you're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, but you're going to have a really good defense. That's going to be something new, something different, something entertaining. All right. I can get on board with that. I can get excited. I can follow Joe's example and get a little fired up. There's another reason I think it feels like there's less pressure on the Packers this year. And I think it's because they aren't the favorite anymore. When you talk about the contenders in the NFL, it's not that the Packers aren't mentioned, but they're not mentioned first. And I think that's a huge advantage, and that excites me. Let's talk about that next, coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. 608-796-2558. Always a privilege to hear from Joe and Lacrosse. Been a while. Good vibes from Joe. A little positivity. We're talking about a take from Rich Eisen's show. He said there's no pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is putting no pressure on himself, which I agree with. I don't think Rodgers ever puts pressure on himself. Because I, I think he's what's the word? He's pretty easygoing. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I think Rodgers loses a playoff game and he's sad for a day or two. And then he moves on. I don't think it eats at him. Same way it eats at some other guys. And that's fine. It's just not as conducive to winning. Right? And maybe that's why the Packers haven't been back to a Super Bowl in 12 years or so now. Maybe. I think it's certainly a part of it. 608-796-2558. What do you think? What say you about Rich Eisen's take? 
no pressure on Aaron Rodgers. It certainly feels like there's less pressure. I'm not going to say there's no pressure, but I do think Packers fandom and the rest of football fandom with the Packers, I think everyone kind of took a sigh of relief a little bit. It feels like we 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 got over the top of the hill this offseason. And maybe, maybe that's a Rodgers contract thing, right? Maybe that's knowing that Rodgers signed his extension. I don't know that that means he's going to retire a Packer. I don't know that that means he's going to be here for four or five more years. But I, I think with Rodgers, we figured that last year might be his last season. It was the last dance. Everything was compressed into one year. We were definitely, you know, all in last year. And I think now that we have moved on from that and Rodgers is still here and most of the team is still here, we can take a deep breath. And maybe that the Devontae Adams situation comes to a head. Maybe that that, even though it ended up with him on another team, maybe just the, what's the word I'm looking for? Conclusion or uh, when something is resolved, the resolution of the Devontae Adams situation, maybe that led to kind of a collective exhale from Packers fans. (sighs) Feels like there's less pressure on Rodgers and the Packers. I don't know why. Because I feel like there should be more pressure than ever. This is a man who lives under pressure. Every day he's alive. He's under pressure to be his best self. That's Eric on I-90, 608-796-2558. What's up, Eric? How you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing well. I I was over by I-90 earlier today, actually. I went to the lacrosse dump to drop off a couple of things today. That's all I can talk about. That's I'm bragging about it nonstop. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I know. There's there's a lady that works out there. She's... Well, I won't say nothing. But anyway. The the two women that were working in the booth were very helpful. I will say, as someone who's never been to the lacrosse dump before, they were very helpful. I'm sure that's what you were going to say, yes, correct? Yes, they got very helpful. helpful employees at the dump. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, pressure. Yes. Pressure. Um, no, I don't think Aaron Rodgers ever has any pressure on him. I think he handles pressure through process. He's got a process that he follows, and he allows. That's how he works through pressure. Okay. And, and he kind of crumbles under. He kind of crumbles under when there is pressure. Okay. Would you agree? Hmm. When it's hmm. so he, when he's when hmm. he's had chances to to win, like well, let's just uh, I just. I'll well, give you one example. Seattle game. Yeah, 2014. Seattle playoff game. That's a good example. Go with All that. All right. Yeah. All right. You're ahead by that much, and you're the starting quarterback. You should be able to score again and win that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yes, but it for wasn't. Sure. Yeah. But, see, but Seattle wasn't fitting the process. Mm. Okay. So you're you're saying as as soon as Rodgers gets knocked off of his rhythm in some way, he doesn't do a good job adapting. He doesn't do he doesn't have a plan B. He's not a plan B guy. Is that what you're saying? He's not a plan B guy. He's got a process. This is the day. This is our routine. If I do this, that, and that, everything will be great. Him and Devontae Adams click all the time because Devontae Adams could get off on that protection and get open. He fits the process every time. Okay. Okay. I can get behind this. I can get behind this. But the weird thing is, so, Eric, when we're talking about the playoff games that they won, let's think about the Super Bowl year, right? The Packers got out to a lead 
in Super Bowl 45? What if they had fallen behind, you know, 10 points early on? Because that's what we've seen in all of his other playoff losses, minus Seattle. They've fallen behind early, and maybe that knocks him off his balance, and then he can't go to plan B, as you've said. You're just proving my point. Good, good. It's, it's, it's historically, right? We talked about this when he started out, you know, me and some other Packer fans, and we're arguing, of course, and I said, you know, he's not a... He's not known as a fourth quarter comeback guy. He's got a couple. Mm-hmm. They all do. Yeah. But it's not his fault that he wins the game in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I'm just, yeah. I just, I don't think there's any pressure on him. Now, Packer fans, I mean, you guys, how much pressure, how much pressure can you take, right? Because, Grant, you put so much pressure on yourself. Like, last year, that San Francisco game. I mean, your butt cheeks were clenched up tight all day, right? Yeah, very clenched game, very they tight, were. tight butthole game. Yes, yes. Right up, right up. When you got up in the morning, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You Damn were right. up. So you guys can't take any more pressure. So sooner or later, the Packer fans are like, "I just can't take this anymore." I think that's a good point. I think we, I think we've removed some pressure just because we don't want to deal with it anymore. I think that's a great point, Eric. She, and that's good. That's good. You just you, you can't you can't live like that. Live for too long. long. Yes. Right now, there was a previous caller. He's talking about, hey, you know, every Saturday, Sunday afternoon, it's going to be a great day, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You're going to have 13 great Sundays. Probably. And yes. he's good with that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as a Viking fan, and keeping keeping our quarterback. To me, that was a somewhat of a good move because I know I'm going to get like probably eight or nine this year, maybe ten or eleven good Sundays. Okay. And that's better than picking the wrong rookie quarterback and sucking for the next three years until you find another one. That's true. And if you're the general manager of the Vikings, you're you're coming into a whole new deal, right? You do have something that somewhat works. You know, we do this. You do this at work. You probably do this the same. You know, you're like working on a problem, right? The first thing I like to do is I like to start lifting out what is working. Okay. Right? Yeah. That gets everybody on a positive note. Look at you. You can sit there and go, this is not working. This is not working. And then it just sucks, right? Mm-hmm. And I just start out, I go, what is working? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start out with what's working. Wow. Well, there's some good things that are working with the Packers. I think. I think the fact that... The expectations and the pressure isn't sky high. Like, when you talk about Super Bowl contenders, you probably think Bills, Chiefs, the entire AFC West. You think of the Buccaneers with Brady and the Rams who just won it. The Packers are a little bit farther down the list. And I I think that maybe put us on the back burner, Eric. Put the Packers on the back burner and just let us figure some things out this season. Got some new players. Let us build slowly. Let us build momentum throughout the season and focus on some other teams. I think that's a big advantage the Packers have, too, for the first time in a while. I think so, too. I don't think the Bills are any more of a favored choice than the Packers, though. What have the Bills done? Well, the Bills are very, I mean, the Bills are very good. I, I know what you mean. The Bills haven't accomplished anything, but I, I don't think the Packers are the sexy pick to win anything anymore. I think everyone's got a little worn out by them, and therefore we've set them to the side, which is good. I like being set to the side. That's good. You you like being laying in the weeds now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're laying in the weeds, and everybody's kind of like off the Packers a little bit. Yes. 
and you guys are going to strike like Cobra Kai. <laughs> All right, Eric. I got to I gotta go, but this has been nice. Thank you for the call. <laughs> yep. Talk later, bud. Like Cobra Kai. That is Eric on I-90. I love when Eric, I love when he talks about work and makes an analogy. Um, I could just see Eric leading a team meeting at work saying, hey, what is working? Let's talk about what is working, not what's not working. What is working? Eric, you know, you're a part of the show that works very well. I appreciate the call. 608-796-2558. Let's talk about the Packers for a couple more minutes, and then we can wrap up the show with little Brewers and a little basketball, a little potpourri at the end. How does that sound? We'll talk Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and pressure for just a couple more minutes. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports this is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Appreciate you hanging out. David Gasper, Justin Garcia tomorrow. David Gasper and I will talk about the Brewers. Uh, really picking up steam as a duo, including the segment that no one can stop talking about. Uh, the random brewer segment. It, it is exactly what it sounds like. I name a random brewer from years past. Gasper does the same. We laugh and that's it. And it's way more fun than it should be. So that'll be tomorrow. We will also talk with Justin Garcia about the NBA, about the Bucks, their offseason, and because Dead & Co. is starting their tour this week, uh, we're going to do some Grateful Dead talk tomorrow. We have both constructed our perfect Grateful Dead set list, eight songs, two encores. We will do that tomorrow as well. So for those of you who partake in a little uh, jam bandery, that's tomorrow with Justin Garcia. That'll be at 4.30. Jared and DeForest chimes in on this whole Aaron Rodgers pressure topic. Says, I think the added pressure on Rodgers comes from... Uh, comes from the persecution that uh, Aaron's antics and actions in the offseason led to what the team looks like now. Hmm. Hmm. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. So you're talking contractually, financially. I mean, Devontae Adams wanted to leave anyways. I don't think Aaron Rodgers was prohibitive in bringing back Adams. Adams wanted to go, and we got a report from David Carr a couple of days ago, I think it was last week, that that was in the works for a while. That was on NFL Network. So I don't think Adams was prevented in coming back because of Aaron Rodgers' deal. And as we've been told and as we were told when it was signed, it is a very team-friendly deal. Uh, I mean, it's a huge pay raise, uh, but, but team-friendly. Remember, keep in mind, team-friendly, everyone. As Aaron Rodgers and his camp have reminded us multiple times. I don't know. The antics and this and that. I mean, say what you want about the COVID situation from last year. and then I think the thing that bothered me most... And this has nothing to do with politics. It is political, but my frustration with it has nothing to do with politics. It's that two days before a playoff game, there's a huge ESPN piece coming out. Rogers is interviewed about all these different things, and he's slamming our president, and he's whining about this. It's like, hey, hey, buddy, we got a playoff game coming up. I'm not telling you to shut up and dribble, but kind of because it's the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can talk about whatever you want. You can go on Joe Rogan's podcast, go on the Pat McAfee show, talk about whatever you want. But just for me, humor me. Maybe during the playoffs, let's not. Maybe let's just dial it in a little bit. I was talking with some friends this weekend about how Rodgers, I think, needs a hobby. I think he needs, uh, I think he needs more than one hobby. I think he needs hobbies. 
Uh, I personally think Rogers is not married. He doesn't have kids. I don't know what he does, but I don't think he does enough because I think he has way too much time on his hands <laughs> to worry about all these things he doesn't need to worry about and do all these things he doesn't need to do. Right? So, Jared, when you talk about Rogers' antics, I... I mean, I'm not going to lie, and this is me personally. I'll lay my cards on the table. When they lost against the Niners, my first thought was, okay, Rodgers, so you pulled all of that for months just to do that when you finally get a home playoff game in the snow, which is always what you want. You get the number one seed again. You get a favorable matchup. You got your guy, Devontae Adams, out there, and you do that. Your defense pitches a shutout, and you do that. You missed time because of COVID this year. You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar lying about COVID. You can say that you didn't lie. You did, for all intents and purposes. You made that a whole thing. You missed a game, which could have cost you seating. It didn't because the team around you is very good, and the coaches won you games anyways to get the number one seed. And after all that, after everything we had to go through in the offseason and in the season, and then you did that. So from my perspective, Jared, yes, I do feel that way. I do feel like, sorry, I expected you to win against the Niners. Because you got to make the juice worth the squeeze. There's a lot of squeezing last year, not a lot of juice in the playoffs. So for me, yeah, I think there is some pressure there. Now, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure coming into the season. It feels like we've all exhaled. We're like, okay, now we can finally breathe for whatever reason. I think Devontae Adams, that situation resolving, even if it didn't resolve in a way that brought him back to Green Bay, I think that's a relief for us. Uh, one of the things that me and my buddies in college would always do, we'd come back from taking a big exam. I remember me and one roommate in particular, we'd come home after we had a big exam and the other roommate would always ask, oh, how'd it go? And our response would always be, it's out of my hands. <laughs> it doesn't matter how it went. It's done. Which is our way of saying, I don't think it went great, but you know what, damn it, it's over with. <laughs> and I think there was a certain... I think there was a certain similarity to the Adams situation where it's like, hey, I know he's not back, but at least it's resolved. We got picks in return. At least this isn't hanging over our head. At least we're not stressed about whether or not he's going to come to camp, come to OTAs, show up for the preseason. You know, at least it was resolved. So I think that led us to exhale a little bit. I think we've also exhaled on the Packers to some degree because they've been put on the back burner a bit. Now, the back burner for the Packers is not the back burner for the Texans or the back burner for the Jaguars. Like, there are teams on the back, 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 back burner. The Packers aren't on the back burner to that degree, but for the Packers, their version of the back burner, they're definitely on there, right? When you say Super Bowl, the Packers aren't the first team to come to mind. You think about the Bills and the Chiefs and every team in the AFC West. We shouldn't think about the Raiders in that way, but we do because <laughs> whatever whatever the Bengals Joe Burrow you think about the Rams you think about the Buccaneers the Packers are not at the forefront anymore and I think we you know we, we take a little pressure off when that happens there's a sigh of relief from an attention perspective right and I think that's good competitively for the Packers I think they're gonna be in a good spot because they're no longer the hunted they're no longer the alpha male they can kind of fly under the radar as Eric on I-90 said like a Cobra Kai in the grass I don't I don't like Cobra Kai is the karate thing, but I get what Eric's saying. Let's talk to Hector in on Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? How's it going, Grant? Swell. How are you? Uh, it's been a bad day, but oh. I, I only got a couple stops left. So, oh, good, good, uh, good. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to chime in a little here as an outsider looking in. Here's my pressure point, I guess you can say. The with it all kind of tying in with the fact that 
you know, like what Eric was saying. No, you're not at the front of the pack anymore, so to speak. Yeah. So with that, there's a lot of excuses lined up to um, not necessarily by you, but like in general as a fan base, there's plenty of excuses with the changes that the Packers have gone through this offseason to explain away why they might not have a good year. Sure. So that will take that takes a lot of pressure off because, you know, oh, Devontae wasn't here. Oh, the best receiver we got in the offseason was Sammy Watkins, and it's all rookies, or yeah. we lost these people on the offensive line, or, oh, Rodgers didn't come to OTAs, or, like, there's different reasons that could easily explain it away. And I think that takes pressure off of ever, of people as well. I think inside of the organization, because of all the drama with Aaron Rodgers, there might be a little more pressure than we're seeing. But Rodgers is kind of used to it because he he puts himself under so much pressure that he tends to thrive um, because of it. So I think I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's going to be just a perfectly normal year. And when playoff time comes, that rookie. Uh, wide receiver core is clicking with Rodgers, and they're just gonna, it's gonna be like uh, my 2012 Ravens come in as a, <laughs> not that the Packers will come as a wild card, but we came as a wild card and surprised everyone. I think that's what's gonna happen. I'm, I'm kind of manifesting it just for uh, my father-in-law's sake, because he's a diehard Packer fan, and it's been a rough offseason with Aaron Rodgers and all that yeah. stuff, so. Yeah, well, and I, th- I think you look at the last couple Super Bowl champions, Hector, and you mentioned the Ravens who came in as a wild card, but remember the Bucks lost to the Bears. They had a rough patch in the regular season two years ago, and then last year the Rams mm-hmm. got blown out like three straight weeks. To struggle during the regular right. season is natural. It's part of a progression, and I think the Packers, especially with all the new faces, they'll probably go through that to a degree, but having what we hope is a good defense probably helps that a little bit. I agree, yeah. And with so many changes, like this offseason was ridiculous. So there's so many different teams and like they're stacked a different way and all the changes that came to different teams. There's going to be wins that or losses that you might not expect, games that are closer than not. And I think it'll help. I think rookies that are put through that kind of quote-unquote turmoil during the season, it helps them build their character a lot quicker and a lot more resilient. So come playoff time, those teams that had those younger guys, I mean, it's break, it's it's bend or break kind of a thing. But I think with the, the Packers are just such a good organization overall that I think, I think it's going to be a good thing. I think so, too. I think it's nice that the pressure is, I don't know why, but the pressure is off the Packers. I think because we're focused on other teams and other things, and I think that's going to be a good thing for them in the long run. Hector, I hope the rest of your day wraps up nicely. I appreciate the call. Yeah, no problem. Have a good night, Grant. Hector in Onalaska, 608-796-2558. Packers are on the back burner a little bit, and maybe that means they struggle out of the jump, out of the shoot, whatever the expression is. Maybe they lose two or three in a row in the middle of the season. Malafleur's never lost back-to-back games in his career, has he? I don't think they have, right? Maybe I know he hasn't lost three in a row. Maybe that's the year this happens, and maybe taking lumps in the regular season helps. And while everyone talks about the Bills and the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Buccaneers and the Rams and defensive coordinators are scheming against those other teams. The Packers have a chance to figure things out and build some momentum into the playoffs. It's not a good thing to be the hunted in sports. 
right? The team that's supposed to win the championship normally doesn't win the championship. Maybe the Bucks won the Nets title last year, although I don't really love giving Brooklyn the benefit of the doubt. If only they've been healthy. Yeah, well, also they're never healthy, and when they are healthy, they still don't win. So I don't like assigning accomplishments to the Nets if they would have been healthy because I just I don't think they've earned that, right? The Suns and the Bucks, I think, were the two best teams in 2022, and yet we got Warriors Celtics, right? When a team wins a title, they often win another team's title. And I went back and I pulled the audio from a couple conversations ago we had with our friend Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. He's on the forecast pod. He said it's not a good thing to be the hunted in the NFL. Here's an 18-second clip I want to play. When you win the Super Bowl, you often win another team's Super Bowl. Mm. And, and, And when I say that, I mean the team that's favored going into the playoffs almost never wins the Super Bowl. Maybe there's a little bit of just, like, sneaking up on teams in such a schematic game, right? It's weird, but almost always in football, it's bad to be the hunted one. Well, it's such a schematic game. Like in basketball, Bucks versus Suns, it is a schematic game to a degree. And the coaches do have an important job to a degree. But really, Chris Paul and Devin Booker didn't make enough plays down the stretch, and Giannis did. It's not that simple in football. It's a very schematic game. And when you're the team that everyone's talking about and everyone's trying to beat, then you have a collective of defensive coordinators and smart football coaches grinding film and trying to find a schematic way to beat you. Right? Well, if the Packers aren't the front runner, if they're not the alpha male that everyone's trying to knock off, All of a sudden, the attention isn't on you. It's on other teams, and you can sneak up. You can come out of nowhere, right, and maybe win a title that everyone else had assigned to another team. Maybe. Just maybe. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. A couple thoughts on the NBA Finals. Why don't we wrap up with that next? This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports show last couple of minutes talked a lot about the Packers and whether or not Aaron Rodgers is under pressure and if so why and if not why you know everything that goes into it I I think I I don't believe this to be true but I think some people do whether or not they admit it I think there are a lot of people that accepted this last offseason they're not getting back they're not doing it which is actually a good thing because I think as soon as you think something's not going to happen in sports, that's typically when it happens. But I think there's a big portion of football fans and even Packers fans that this last offseason thought, okay, well, if it didn't happen the last two years, it's not happening. And in admitting that, I think you take some pressure and some expectation off of yourself and off of your team. And I think that's the reason why, one of very many reasons why, it feels like Packers fandom has exhaled a little bit. Why the NFL, in regards to the Packers, seemingly put them on the back burner just a little bit, which I think is a good thing for the Packers, especially with some rookie wide receivers coming in. They don't need the microscope on them, right? Let, let us sneak up on things a little bit. Not not an underdog mentality, not, not like that, but truly in a schematic way, let us do our own thing for a while while defensive coordinators and while coaches focus on other teams and how to stop other teams. Let, let the Packers be. Let them breathe. Last night, why don't we wrap up the show with just a little bit on the finals? Warriors won 107-88. You know me. I'm cheering against the Celtics. I also have no issue with the Warriors. I know a lot of people hate the Warriors. I never have. Even when Kevin Durant was there, I just I never really had an issue with them. Um, but I also wasn't a LeBron fan, so that probably, <laughs> probably was a factor, too. I kind of wanted to see the Cavs lose, and I wanted to see LeBron lose. It was nice they got the one title, but I had no problem ever cheering for the Warriors. Last night was... 
a joy. Last night, the Warriors in that third quarter made me feel like I felt when I first fell in love with the NBA. It would have been 2010, 2011 season, or maybe the season after when I really started to watch regular season games. And I'm watching Kevin Durant pouring 50 points on the Thunder. And I was just in awe, mouth wide open at the TV. That's how I felt in the third quarter, especially on this play. Golden State has a lot of time. Pool with the ball. Launches. Jones is doing a pretty good job for Mike Breen. He's not Mike Breen. No one is. I think Mike Breen is the best announcer in professional sports. I think he's unbelievable. And I really like Joe Buck. I really like, let's see, I don't know. Brian Anderson's great. Honestly, I love Brian Anderson, but that's more from a Brewer's perspective than anything else. If we're talking TV, Mike Breen is as good as anyone. Mark Jones is doing a pretty good job filling in. I love how (laughs) it's always very aggressive. Got it. Bucket. Wow, it's cool. It's high energy, right? There's some announcers that aren't high energy. You need to meet that moment. I thought Mark Jones and that team sounded really good in the third quarter. And what the Warriors were doing in that third quarter last night, it'll it'll make you smile. It'll make you feel like a little kid. It was awesome. It was great. And last night felt like a return to NBA normalcy and that the team that won the third quarter actually won the game, which for the last two weeks or so hasn't been the case. It wasn't the case in Bucks celtics at least in games three, four, and five. Or four, five, six, four, five, six, I should say. Not a thing in games four, five, six. Wasn't the case in game one. The Warriors had a great third quarter. And honestly, the Warriors probably win that game nine times out of 10. The Celtics just happened to have an all-time quarter at the worst time for the Warriors. I wonder how both of these fan bases are feeling. Because I think the Warriors, and they're privileged, so they're probably feeling like this is their finals to win. They probably feel like every game is theirs to win. They're thinking, well... If not for one insane quarter from the Celtics in game one, we're up 2-0. And the Celtics are probably thinking the same thing. If not for an insane third quarter in game two from the Warriors and a quiet second half from Jason Tatum, the Celtics are probably up 2-0, right? So both of these fan bases probably have their own rationalization of what's happened so far. I think both of them are a little bit jaded. It's really hard to win games. It's really like if a fan base says we should be up 3-0 right now. No, you shouldn't because that's just not how sports work. Right, The Celtics getting hot in that fourth quarter, sometimes that happens. The Warriors having an unbelievable third quarter, that actually happens a lot, which is why after the first two games, I'm leaning Golden State a little bit because I think the way that Golden State won last night is more recreatable. It's more replicable than the way the Celtics won game one. And I think that's important. Both of these teams have won a game. Which do you think is more likely to happen again? The Celtics have an all-time history-making quarter Or the Warriors play really good and come out in the third quarter and unload on the Celtics. The Warriors have been doing this for almost what feels like a decade. Although I guess it's pretty close. They started in 2014. And since this Warriors team began under Steve Kerr, they've been unbelievable in the third quarter. They come out and they break the will of the other team. I can see that happening again. A historically great fourth quarter to close a playoff game, the likes of which the Celtics had in game one. I'm not saying it won't happen again. Because crazy things happen in sports. That's why we like sports. But I think the way in which the Warriors won game two is more likely to occur again. And it's more likely to occur three more times, which is what one of these teams is going to need to take the series. That's where I'm leaning. Also, there's no way that Klay Thompson, who's not great, he hasn't been great. But if you saw in the round before this, he still went off in what I think was a game six. Or no, it would have been a game five because it only went game five. Clay's always good for an unbelievable game late in the series, typically around game five or six, sometimes on the road. 
Clay Thompson's always good for one of those. So the Warriors still have that in their back pocket. I'm interested to see how Jason Tatum proceeds in this series. Game one, he was putrid. Game two, I mean, yeah, he had 28 points, but it's because he had an unbelievable night from three. A lot of guys can have an unbelievable night from three. Tatum's supposed to be able to do more. So I want to see if he does more and his game is more multiple. It's more diverse moving forward. David Gasper, Justin Garcia tomorrow. I can't wait. Wisco Sports Show back tomorrow at four. Talk to you then.